This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hello there and welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast, the very best bits of today's show. It is a Thursday, 12th of January, and we've got a cracker for you today. We're going to kick off with, uh, I'm afraid, some really, really bad news and some Kanye West music to introduce it. World Bank slashing its forecast for global economic growth. We're going to hear from the guys at the World Bank and local analysis from The Economist, Daniel Richards. What else do we have for you today? Really good interview with Alan Williamson. Now, he's the CEO of Talim, the school's operator. They listed on the stock market a few weeks ago. This is their first set of earnings since becoming a listed company. Share price, the, the, the profit numbers were good, 14% increase in quarterly profit, but the share price not reflecting that down at 2.59 dirhams per share it floated at three dirhams per share alan's thoughts on all of these things then we are talking about the job market so many companies globally cutting jobs at the moment goldman sachs letting go of thousands of people blackrock the finance company letting go of people as well but the job market here in the uae remains fairly buoyant how long can that last oscar from robert walters middle east gives us his take on that. Uh, finally, talking real estate, Matthew Montgomery, Associate Director, Espas Real Estate. Again, the global economy may be in all kinds of trouble, but Dubai real estate just keeps on chugging. How long can this decoupling last? All that to come, but let's dive straight into those World Bank figures. We are talking forecastnomics. Because I just heard some real bad news. Real bad news. Real bad news. The latest global institution to downgrade its forecast for the world economy is the World Bank. Not just downgrading it, but in fact slashing it in half. They now expect to see 2023 global growth uh, come in at about 1.7%. Six months ago, they were saying 3%. It's lower than what the IMF is predicting at the moment. They're predicting 2.7%. I believe they've already lowered their forecast once. Uh, And the smart money is on them doing it again a little bit later this month. How should we be looking at these predictions and what does it mean for us? That's something we're going to be digging into in the show this morning, looking at it from a number of angles, not least real estate. We are going to be speaking uh, to the guys from Espace a little bit later on about what it means for house buying sentiment here in the UAE, but also what the interest rate correlation which is the other sort of side of this Durham coin, if you like, could mean for house buying. Because along with this comes a game of economic chicken, where you've got the Fed um, talking up interest rates in terms of warning us, as we saw Jay Powell do a little bit earlier this week, um, that there would have to be, I think he called them unpopular choices earlier this week when he was speaking in Sweden, uh, suggesting, as he has done many times, as indeed and as many other um, Fed heads are doing, that interest rates will go to about the 5% mark and stay there this year. But not everyone thinks they will. Markets seem to have priced in a bit of a, a bluff on that and think that they could come down in the second half of this year or makes it a very uncertain time to be planning, doing and buying. So we're going to look at the knock-on effects of our real estate market. We'll look at what it means for the Dubai economy um, and also how close we are to any contagion, Rich. 
Well, let's hear from Ayan Kosa now, who is from the World Bank and one of the people behind that report that came out overnight. Doom and gloom for the global economy. Whether you're emerging markets, whether you're China, whether you're United States, this this falling tide seems to be <laughs> sinking all boats. This is what he had to say about the prospects for advanced economies this year. In the case of advanced economies, we are expecting a very deep downturn. So they are going to slow from 2.5% last year to 0.5% this year. Uh, this is one of the sharpest slowdowns we have seen over the past five decades. Now, not everybody agrees with all of that. Goldman Sachs has come out in the last 24 hours and said that they are no longer expecting to see a European recession. That's partly because of one of the warmest winters on record. Not great if you are skiing. Good if you are trying to heat your home with gas. And gas prices have fallen uh, to around pre-invasion levels. Also, opening uh, China and what that means for the world economy um, has led Goldman to think that things could be a little bit better than expected. Not if you are a junior Goldman employee, however, or indeed uh, someone who had to go to work yesterday. Not sure how you were going to finish the day, whether you would have a swipe card that still let you into the building or not. We've been putting this in our uh, local terms. We've been looking what it means for us. Daniel Richards is a senior economist at Emirates NBD. And we asked him what his key takeaways were from that World Bank report. Could the UAE and Saudi Arabia still keep growing as strongly as they have been in 2023 if the rest of the world is not? The World Bank has downgraded its 2023 global growth forecast to just 1.7%, almost half a 3% growth level the bank had projected six months ago. And if realised this growth level would actually be below the 2% by which economists gauge a global recession, given population growth for poorer countries especially. Now, the Global Economic Prospects publication from the World Bank cautioned that the slowdown will be broad-based, with nearly all regions of the world experiencing slower per capita income growth than they enjoyed prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. And it warned that poor countries would be especially understrained as they cope with the fallout of currency depreciations and high inflation. Despite this more challenging environment globally, we're still relatively bullish on the growth prospects for the UAE and Saudi this year, at least compared to the rest of the world. Growth will slow with the gains in oil production we saw in 2022 uh, not set to be repeated. Growth will be far more modest there compared to a 15% or so ramp up in oil output last year. While at the same time, the non-oil sectors are not going to be immune to what's happening elsewhere. And that's especially the case for UAE, which is, of course, a small, open economy, very much plugged into global trends for the trade and tourism sectors, to name just a couple. Nevertheless, our forecast of 3.9% growth for UAE and 3.1% for Saudi Arabia, while coming in around half what we saw last year, are still pretty robust compared to that global outlook, with the GCC governments also having significant fiscal firepower at the moment to boost growth should they desire. That's Daniel Richards from Emirates MBD. As I said, we will be looking at what it means for real estate and what the Fed could do next with interest rates, whether or not they will keep them um, at the 5% mark, possibly even higher, Sam saying um, 5.25% over the next year, or um, whether we will see them drop off in the second half of this year and what it means for buying. And if you're in the market, whether you're going for a fixed or a floating rate asking for a friend. I was speaking yesterday to one mortgage broker, actually, who was talking about two 
big banks um, that are putting together products, fixed products, three-year is at the 4.99 um, mark, which makes you think, well, that's interesting um, in terms of what those banks think are happening with interest rates. Yeah, and the markets think interest rates are going to be cut this year. Headline on Bloomberg this morning, the Federal Reserve's no-rate-cut mantra is rejected by the markets. They see a recession and therefore they see interest rate cuts shortly. The Fed is talking a good game when it comes to raising rates and keeping them higher for longer. Market thinks they're bluffing in a bid to try to reduce inflation expectations. But they kind of have to. Yeah. Because you want people to think that things are going to be tight to curb behaviour. That is what interest rate rises try to do. They make it um, more expensive to borrow so that you don't borrow, you don't invest in much and the economy slows down. Let's see. I'm hoping the market's right on this one and that the Fed is bluffing, but we'll see. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. And as Richard mentioned, they're fresh off the back of their first earnings as a publicly listed company on the DFM. Uh, We are very pleased to be speaking to Talim this morning. Uh, The CEO, Alan Williamson, is in the studio. Alan, it's lovely to see you. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to talk to you after your first set of publicly available, publicly listed numbers. And they're a good set. 14% rise in profit, a 32% rise in revenue. What's it on the back of? Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic results. We're we're very proud of our achievements year on year. Um, Obviously, in the school business, it's all about enrolment. Uh, Our enrolment is up an eye-watering 45% um, since uh, the previous year with a growth of 2,600 students in the premium sector. And obviously that makes a fantastic difference to profitability. So we're very proud of the achievements of our school in in bringing in so many premium students. Let's have a look at what that actually looks like on the ground. When you say enrolments are up 45%, how much of that is new students? How much of that is just the growth of of schools? What does it look and feel like? Yeah, so to break that down, um, obviously uh, there's around 6,000 new students coming in from the government public-private partnership in the move to 28,000 students in total. Uh, We're obviously, again, very proud of the work we do with the governments of Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Uh, In terms of the 2,600, we acquired Jebowali School uh, and brought that into our portfolio. Uh, Jebowali was 1,400 students when it started, and and it's an incredible 1,700 today. So, all of the discussion around that uh, not-for-profit school coming into Talim uh, has proven you know, unfounded and we're very pleased with that. So the rest of the growth, Brandy, is just this, this uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi uh, you know, buoyant market, people coming in and looking for high-quality schools. And in addition, uh, around 40% of our new students have come from competitor schools into Tulim. Which is my question. How much of this, we want to use you a bit of a proxy data for the Dubai population. Could you put a percentage on how many of those students are, as you say, people who already lived here who might have moved in from other schools or come with an acquisition? And what percentage are actually new residents? So so the acquisition numbers are clear. I've given you them. So from the 2,600, you know, 1,400 were acquisition. But um, the, the percentages are what you're looking at there. So 40% of our new students came 
from competitor schools. 60% have arrived in, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So, and, and that we've not seen that before. You know, clearly the economy is having a different, a, a, an impact to the success of Talim and other schools groups. Well, you say that the, the rise in profit is on the back of new students. It will also be on the back of keeping your costs down, particularly at a time of high inflation. Tell me how inflation is affecting you. Yeah, I mean, Talim work hard on uh, an efficiency agenda, but we also have to maintain a premium standard in our schools and invest in our schools and make sure our schools are outstanding and very good in terms of what they deliver to students. Um, teacher salaries is the main thing for any schools group. Uh, Talim were, were, I think, the only schools group in the previous year that gave the salary rise to our teachers and this year we're committed to that again you need to have the highest quality leaders and teachers in your school um, uh, you know the, the main thing actually for teacher salary is teacher housing at the present time you know I, I listen into the show every morning and you know we've been talking about the property market uh, uh, and you know Talim are aware of that uh, in terms of teacher salaries. When you say you're giving a pay rise, what kind of percentage are we talking about? The range? Yes, I mean, I mean, we give uh, uh, around three to five percent uh, across the portfolio for for sort of admin and, and teaching staff and leaders. I've had someone message in asking whether or not you had a, a sort of a share option scheme for for your teachers when you uh, when you listed. What we did is is we offered uh, our teachers and our parents and and tranche three the the ability to to buy shares and many of them did which it was we we were very very pleased with that. Well these are your first numbers since you did go public since you listed on the the DFM. What does that mean for you in terms of the pressure to perform does it make the uh, the financial year feel different? Look, we're focused on our, our growth strategy. We've we've a fantastic board, uh, and and actually on the day of IPO, I'll always remember our chairman Halad Al Tire said to you know the, the the management team, focus on the strategy. The share price will respond to the success of the strategy. Um, it, it was well publicised that we're opening two new Dubai British schools in Dubai. We're opening another premium school in Abu Dhabi. Uh, unlike some of the other IPOs, uh, we will pay a dividend and it will be a dividend story, but to Lima, a growth story. Um, and I think you will see a difference in our share price when the growth story comes to fruition. And, you know, even uh, this week I was on the canal, the, a beautiful plot on the canal where we are building a brand new Dubai British school, Jumeirah. Uh, and that's going to be a fantastic uh, piece of architecture as you're driving over the Sheikh Zayed Road Bridge on the canal. But as Richard mentioned there when he was doing the market report, the price for Talim shares were set at the top of the range at, at three dirhams. We're at about 2.59 this morning, slightly up on your earnings, but Thank still you. not where they were when you went public. Do you feel that in the decisions that you're making? No, uh, we, we're focused on the strategy and we're very aware. I'm, I, I don't want to repeat my previous answer. You know, a lot of the IPOs were dividend stories. We, we are a growth story. We, we're very, very aware that the, the growth strategy is in place. It will come. And when you see four new premium schools coming onto a portfolio like Talim's and, and, and talking about the student numbers 
that we've introduced this morning, the growth and profitability there and the impact on the dividend will be significant. How easy is it to get teachers for these new schools to recruit at the moment? Yeah, I mean, all over the world, if you read the education literature, you will see a teacher recruitment crisis. Again, I would love to take the credit for not feeling too much pressure there, but the credit goes to the city of Dubai and the city of Abu Dhabi. What do I mean by that is it is still a fantastic attraction to come and live in Dubai. We, we are just about to go to London and Manchester to recruit teachers for our British schools. They're sitting in the British weather in midwinter and, and Dubai, the city of Dubai advertises itself. Alan Williamson is the Talim CEO speaking to us this morning on the back of their Q1 numbers, a 14% rise in profit and a 32% rise in revenue. Thank you very much for joining us on the Business Breakfast this morning. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. All right, let's have a look at the jobs market if we can. Why? Because, well, end of last year was all about tech layoffs across the tech industry. Beginning of this year seems to be the focus on finance investment giant Goldman and Sachs has begun a massive round of job cuts around the world as it tightens its belt in the face of falling profits. Cuts will affect up to 3,200 staff or roughly 6.5% of the bank's workforce, including uh, staff in international offices. They're not alone. Coinbase followed up the cryptocurrency trading platform, cutting approximately 20% of its workforce around about 950 jobs in a second round of layoffs in less than a year. And then last night, we got word that BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, cutting up to 500 jobs. Uh, the memo uh, announced uh, by Insider and Bloomberg coming as the Wall Street continues to downsize in face of high interest rates. OK, that's what's happening with some of the big internationals. Is that going to have a knock on effect here in the UAE? Let's ask a man uh, in the know. Joining us now is the head of financial services, Robert Walters, Middle East, uh, Oscar or Elena Haider, who joins us live here in studio. Oscar, good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you doing? Good, my friend. Uh, not so much a Happy New Year for those at uh, Goldman Sachs and others waiting to see if that dreaded email pops into the inbox. Are we going to be affected here? Are we going to be affected here? I think, I think as always, there will be a bigger lag time. I think um, this has come from US. It's come from Europe. I think there will be a, a, a three to six month period of where this will affect us. The interesting point is it's, it's comp season. Mm. So February, March is when they get their, their bonuses. And that's what they've been working for for the last 12 months, you know, around the clock. So it's, it's a real, kick in, like a double kick in the teeth for the timing. Um, will we be affected here? I, I still feel like we've been talking about this for, for a while now. I still feel like the, the Europeans, the Asians, um, a lot of the traditional sell-side M&A bankers will look to come um, and reinvent themselves in a word and try and get into a different sector, try and buddy up and pair up with the the buy-side institutions that they've seen on the other side of the table, a lot of the sovereign wealths. They've been interacting on the sell side, the M&A arena with the sovereign wealths for years, and now it's a time where actually let's do something different. I'm no longer with, with Goldman or with Coinbase or whatever, but I can bring a team, I can pop up a new... EdTech, FinTech, you mentioned tech there. I think it's still going to be a vein of, 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 of conversation and new business this year, definitely. 
Um, but they will pivot. They're incredibly smart people. They will pivot on on their own skills, on their own uh, capability to to function in a new geography. Um, and and will it affect us? Yeah, definitely. I, I feel constantly I'm seeing more and more new uh, entrants to the market. Mm. Um, you had Patrick Sang, I think it was, from um, a family group recently on on here. We're seeing more and more from mainland China, from Singapore, from Asia, um, coming not only to Dubai, coming to Saudi, Abu Dhabi, and Dubai. Um, so it's a, it's a, and I, I I get I get a lot of questions asked, and I'm constantly sort of bullish and positive on my outlook. But I genuinely feel talking to the guys in London, I'm getting calls yeah. every other day from London. Yeah. Um, it's 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 heat or eat over there, isn't so it? So it could so, only be a benefit for the talent pool here. I I genuinely think so. Yeah. In terms of when when you say talent pool, I think they'll be able to apply to more companies. They'll be able to apply to different subsectors um, within that. Just aside from the traditional banking IB, um, the new if you'd speak to the the company setup guys, they're doing. They're doing incredible yeah. trade. They're doing like 20, one, one individual, 20 new companies a month. Mm. Um, not just financial services, of course, but they're constantly bringing new people in. And who, who is it? Is it senior execs coming in? Is it seasoned uh, veterans of the industry? Or is it grads? It's a real mixture. It's a real mixture. It's not, not so much grads. Um, it's, 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 it's a blend of the seasoned executives, yes, are coming for a final sort of foray in, of their career. Um, it's also the mid-level guys and, the, and the, the five to eight year guys who are coming across. They've just got married. They want a different change of environment. They want to bring across their wife, their family. They want to start a life here. Um, it's very appealing. If you're, if you're in London now, you know, you're staring at, at basically 50% tax. You're staring at, at freezing temperatures. You, you, you're looking at Dubai and you're thinking, God, the guys at the, the new wave of hedge funds are having a having a party. And we're having a pop at London to a certain degree, with good reason as well. Is it just London that you're seeing the sort of exodus from? It's it's not. It's not. It's Europe as well. It's a lot of I, I speak about London, so Robert Waters is a is a is yeah. a FTSE two fifty um English London headquartered business, hence why a lot of our traffic is from there. Um, we're still getting calls from from Asia, from Hong Kong, mainland China, Singapore, um, Europe. I got asked yesterday. I got I got interviewed yesterday about US and America. I think we're not seeing as many of those guys coming here. Simply, they get globally taxed, um, and and then a lot of those guys prefer to stay within the Americas for whatever reason. I think, on average, I'm no expert, but on average, the the bankers, the investment professionals here, are are not of the Northern American. Um, and the new hires we're seeing, the MDs and so, are, are the Arabic speakers, are the guys with roots to the region um, already here. Last, That's what's happening at the moment. Last one from me. We've got a minute left um, with your skirt. Um, yeah, all good and well. But these are the HQs that are making these calls. And if the HQs are worried, then obviously they've seen data that is worrying them. And that's why they're making their cuts. Are we immune to that here in the UAE? Um, again, we, a lot of people say we're in a bubble. I, I think to a certain extent we are in a bubble and I don't think we're not going to see half the numbers that we're seeing in America. I think, again, we'll see a gradual slowdown in three to six months. We'll see a pause on some, some hiring um, over the summer, naturally. But I, I genuinely don't think we'll be anywhere near as, as, as affected as, as the US or Europe or Asia. So hopefully 
for all of us, we're still in a slight bubble. Better than the hatches. Enjoy yeah. the ride. Uh, as always, Oscar, good to catch up with you. Thanks so much, you too. Steve, Thanks, for Tom. coming in nice and early and seeing us this morning. Oscar Orelena Haider joining us live here in the studio. He's Head of Financial Services at Robert Walters, Middle East. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. The Associate Director of Spas Real Estate, Matthew Montgomery, a.k.a. Monty. Is it okay if I call you Monty? Absolutely. Bless you, Monty. Thanks so much indeed for joining <laughs> us live in studio. Uh, thanks for taking time. Uh, Clem sort of passed on uh, the, the, the baton there, talking about the fact that you have numbers. You've got some pretty eye-watering numbers with regards to buyer registrations. I'm conscious of the fact that we're only 11 days into the brand new year, but already you're seeing records being broken. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously you take it with a pinch of salt. It's been a very short space of time. Um, we've noticed a 41% increase and our buyer registration through uh, the first eight days of 2023 versus the first eight days of 2022. So, you know, it's certainly surprising for us in the office, and I think the, the general market to see that, but those are certainly the numbers that we are reporting and seeing. Clementine was also mentioning there that, you know, we've talked about the 2 million passengers passing through DXB, uh, the hordes coming at 91% hotel residency for New Year's Eve here. There's obviously been people in town. That brings eyeballs. But have they been really taking a couple of days off their holiday here in the UAE to go and see property? Um I think the general point would be no. I think that, you know, generally a higher uh, footfall in Dubai for, for tourists certainly points more towards the, the rental market and short-term holiday lets. Obviously, people coming to the, uh, the country for a very short space of time aren't looking to initially buy properties, perhaps go on an initial search. So you perhaps will get people in their early phase of a, a property search. But beyond that, I think it's stronger for the, for the rental market. But there does seem to be this link, doesn't there, of people coming to... Dubai, the UAE for the first time and going, oh, it's not what I expected. I quite like Dubai here at the moment. We've seen it uh, with uh, Expo. We saw it with COVID. We've seen it with the World Cup as well. Could we therefore draw a line? And so we've seen it with that that spike in travel and tourism over the Christmas period, interest in real estate. Well, I'm not sure about that. I think uh, a better metric to look at is the population growth in Dubai. You know, obviously Dubai has increased year on year, almost just under 1.5%. So that is a, a better metric, I think, to point towards. Um, I think you know it's a, it is a very short space of time to be looking at buyer registrations. Eight days, you know, we're very early in the year. Dubai is, uh, and well, the property market around the world is seasonal after all. So, um, yeah, I think um, once we get further into the quarter, it will be a better uh, outlay of what what the market's going to do this year. We can't. Uh, help but compare and contrast though and you can't get away from the fact that a lot of the positivity here that we're seeing is being countered by a lot of negativity economically in other parts of the world. Um, In light of that, can this sort of real estate momentum keep up this year? Well, you know, obviously the main headwind of the Dubai market at the moment, as Clem alluded to there earlier in the show, is the, the rise in the interest rates. However, the amount of tailwinds in the Dubai market at the moment are vast. You know, population growth, as I just mentioned there, um, an undersupply in terms of, you know, residential villas and townhouses for families to, to actually purchase. You know, the, the amount of actual property, good property that's well-priced in the market is pretty thin on the ground at the moment and remains so. So that points towards a healthy market at the moment. Give us a number, if you can, Monty. If you uh, had to put your, uh, yeah, yeah, your neck on the line in terms of all things Espace real estate, percentage-wise, what would you predict if the, things are going to go up and grow this year? Well, an educated guess, I think, um, obviously having boots on the ground and being in the cool face of the market, I think that 
I would gauge probably a 5 to 10% increase in prices throughout the duration of the year. Um, Night Frank came out towards the end of last year and predicted 13%, which was vastly you know, above the, the other capital cities around the world in second and third place, Paris and Singapore. Um, and at four and five percent, so you know it's going to be um, it's an interesting time for the market. You know, for agents like myself that are working in the market with teams um, that are spread across our key villa communities, a stable market is is better for us and better for everybody. That is ultimately what Dubai wants to see. For okay, let's take that thirteen percent um, that the aforementioned uh, from from other agencies out there. Um, in order to achieve that or anywhere near that, do we need China back in the market? Um, it'll certainly help, absolutely, if we um, have um, that pent-up supply from China come to come to the market. You know, we, we saw that we saw that price increase happen whenever we came out of the lockdown in 2020, and you know, the market went you know from strength to strength for many many months until the the, the current date that we're in right now. So I certainly think it will help the market in terms of the price point and the transactions, yeah. Um, right, let's talk about what's coming up. Obviously, we'll talk about pipeline projects a lot uh, when it comes to all things real estate. My drive home yesterday, um, I noticed, obviously, the entrance to um, Arabian Ranches 3, which certainly seems to be a lot cleaner and a lot more inviting than Absolutely, it has done yeah. in the past. Are they up and running yet? They're not up and running. They've just released another phase uh, recently there, uh, Anya, which has just come to the market and, you know, it's sold very well. Um, the infrastructure around the, the, the community and Al-Qudra, as you head out towards and past Arabian Ranches 1, is improving. Um, even the entrance uh, into Arabian Ranches 1, which is one of our key communities, has improved vastly. So, yeah, it's not... Um, it's. It's not, you know, something that's ready yet, but it will be very, very soon. But another great alternative for investors. Also, Clem was mentioning a little earlier on about Creek Harbour as well, another EMAR project. Um, will that be creating more interest, do you think, this year? Um, you know, certainly, I, I always think the off-plan MR communities and uh, properties have sold very, very well, regardless of whether they're geographically located in the city. Um, people have a very high desire for investment, for end use, to, to come and take, take hold of these properties. So, yeah, I certainly think that the creek will perform well. Arabian Ranches 3 is sold very well, um, but not bringing any detriment to the, the villa communities around it. Arabian Ranches 1, for example, um, saw 414 transactions last year um, in a community of just over 4,000 townhouses and villas. So that's a very high transaction volume um, for the secondary villa markets around it. So, yeah, I, I still see strong transaction volume in the off-plan market and in the secondary market. What have we got? We've got 30 seconds left. Other things to look out for in 23. Yeah, it goes without saying you and me are here can sit here. Keep an eye on EMAR for 2023 because they're going to be good. They've proven as well. Little hidden gem, do you think, that could be a good for 23? Um, I think, you know, it's quite widely reported, but to state the obvious, I think um, a good uh, development now is Talal Al-Gaf, which is geographically yeah. quite close to Arabian Ranches 1, 2 and 3. It's all very, very well. Majid Al-Fatian. Um, developer and you know it's um it's a really good community if you haven't been there i would certainly advise getting down to the seals office to check it out um there's still some you know availability there and some secondary villas come into the the market as well so really good community so check yeah. it out stunning community stunning lake as well absolutely front, yeah. as well uh, good on you monty bless you thanks so much indeed for popping in early doors in 2023 obviously uh, touch base with you throughout the year but thank you very much indeed for your time this thanks morning. very much big thanks to matthew montgomery associate director of espas real estate You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.